This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. The Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew chapter 7, and if you would turn there, that's where we're going to start tonight in Matthew chapter 7, and we have entitled this uh, last part of our series, on the Sermon on the Mount, we have entitled it The Summation of the Matter. And we are definitely getting down to the sum of the matter. And it's coming coming close to an end. And uh, again, I want to encourage and admonish you to tune in. Tune in all the time, anytime the word is going forth, but I especially and specifically invite you to tune in throughout the month of October, the entire month, on Sundays and on Wednesday nights, and you will be uh, tremendously blessed. We are, we are excited to hear what the Lord has in store for us for the month of October. So in Matthew chapter 7, uh, let's start reading at verse 1, and then we will uh, get down to uh, the scriptures that we will cover tonight. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, and the scripture reads, Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou? The mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye give not that which is holy unto dogs neither cast ye your pearls before swine lest they trample them under feet and turn again and rend you ask and it shall be given you seek and ye shall find knock and it shall be open unto you for everyone that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth and to him that knocketh it shall be open. Or what man is there of you, whom, it, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Therefore, all things, whatsoever ye would, that men should do to you, do even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in, in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that says, do I want to stop? Yes, I want to stop right there. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. And so we have, have been, uh, again, talking about the Sermon on the Mount, and we are coming uh, to this point, uh, coming to this point, and we're going to just uh, pick up. I'm going to do a, a little short review here, and then we're just going to pick up. And I want to start uh, at entering the straight and the narrow gate, because this is going to lead us into what is God is, is telling us tonight. 
So we talked about uh, in, in this scriptures, uh, verses 13 and 14, we talked about uh, the American attitude. How we have a, uh, the Americans, they have a, an attitude of entitlement. And so uh, we also said that, that here, when Jesus was talking to, uh, doing the Sermon on the Mount, and the Pharisees and the scribes, among others, were there, uh, we said that, that the Pharisees and the Jews, that they thought that they had some type of entitlement. They had some type of entitlement because God had, had given, they were the chosen ones, and so they thought because they were the children of Abraham, that that was automatically going to mean that they were going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But here the God, Jesus is telling us something very different. That's basically no matter what you, where you were born, who you were born to, listen to that, no matter where you were born, no matter who you were born to, no matter who you are related to, it does not matter. He said, because you have to enter, everyone has to enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. He said, but because, uh, uh, that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go there and So, And then he says, because straight is the gate. So here is it. Very plain and very clear. He says, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go thereat. Because, what is the because? There are many there that go thereat. Go where? They go into the wide gate and the broad way. Why? Because straight is the gate. And narrow is the way. And we don't want to enter. We don't want to. Listen, we don't want the straight and the narrow. We don't want the straight and the narrow. A lot of us, we want the broad. You know, because, why? Because, because straight and narrow, that means that there, we say, things that you can't do. That I'm limited. You know, we all want to live. We want to live our best lives. We want to. We want to live our lives like it's golden. We, you know, we want. We want things, and we desire things that worldly things, things that don't mean anything, things that are passing and fleeting. We want every day to be Friday, and we want all the happiness, all the happiness and the joy. I deserve to be happy. We all, you know, all of those things, and we get caught when. People get caught into those things. Even when believers get caught up in those things. Then that's why he said, he said, that's why he said that broad, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. He said, but there's a straight way. There's a way that only God has prescribed. And you know, you, and I told you last week, you cannot inherit. You cannot enter heaven any kind of way. You cannot enter heaven any kind of way. You can't confess at one point that God, that Jesus is Lord. You can't uh, confess that with your mouth without believing it in your heart and then allowing that what you say you believe to affect change in your life. You have to, you have to think about it. It's, it's, it's talking about fruit here tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about fruit. But listen, if you are not bearing the fruit, bearing the fruit of righteousness, bearing the fruit of the straight and the narrow, the, the, the fruit that the straight and the narrow way produces, then first you have to consider, did I really accept? Did I really accept? If you're not producing the fruit of that. If your lifestyle and your way of living and your way of thinking and your way of doing things is the same that you did before, which was leading to destruction, the wide and the broad way, if you have continued in that, you first have to ask, did I really accept? Or were those just words that I repeated, that someone ha- told me to repeat? All those those words that that, that someone uh, again just told me to repeat, but there was not nothing that changed. I didn't allow. I didn't allow. What happens during that 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 time when you accept Christ, when you confess Christ, when you say that you believe, and the Spirit of the Living God comes to live on the inside of you? Have I allowed that Spirit of the Living God to help 
cleanse me, to help sanctify me, to help me to, uh, uh, to help me to produce the things that I need to produce. Did I allow, am I allowing the spirit of the living God to help me in the straight and the narrow way? Or am I trying to continue in this broad way while confessing Christ, but yet continuing in the broad way? While confessing Christ. The scripture says that that is of two opinions. And you, no one can enter into the kingdom of heaven with two opinions. You cannot enter. No one can enter the heavens. No one can enter into the kingdom of God. No one can enter into the kingdom of heaven without or, or, or with having two opinions. Being torn. With two opinions. Have you made the joy of the Lord your strength? Have you made the joy? See, when you made the joy of the Lord your strength, all of those things that you used to chase after, all of those things that you used to desire, all of those things, it will be passing and fleeting. Those are things that you would have changed. Those are the things that you would be in process of changing. Daily process of changing if it was really in your heart to do. If not only did you confess, but you believed, believing as an action is going to produce something extra, something different. It's going to produce something different in your life. We talked about endeavoring, that we have to endeavor, that you have to, that we talked about agonizing, striving, striving. Why? Because we have opposition. There's opposition that comes up that will try to keep us from the straight and the narrow way. See, that's why it's broad. That's why many, many be there that enter into that wide way. Why? Because we don't want to stand up against the opposition. Because we don't want to put the opposition in its place. Because we don't want to deny the opposition. Because we don't want to fight the opposition. And to fight the opposition simply means, simply put it, that you fight the good fight of faith. That's all you have to do because the enemy is defeated. Because uh, victory is yours if, if you have accepted Christ. And accepting him means I have faith. I trust. I believe in him. And if you trust and believe in him, that's fight and keeping that, continuing in that, that's fighting the good fight of faith. And when you fight the good fight of faith, then you can defeat the opposition every time. The opposition doesn't have to defeat you. You can defeat the opposition if you just hold on to the to the faith. Fight the good fight of faith. That's all you have to do. You don't have to fight the enemy. You don't have to fight your flesh. You don't have to fight worldly affairs. You don't have to fight. If you fight the good fight of faith, all of the rest of that will be taken care of. But see, that's what happens. We, with that faith, we lose sight of what that faith means. We lose sight of what that, of what that salvation plan means. We lose sight of that. What does fighting the good fight of faith mean? It means I'm just going to hold on to the truth. That's what it means. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to have a great expectation that my faith, that my trust, and the, the scripture tells us that they, those who put their trust in the Lord, they shall not be put to shame. I believe that. I hold on to that. I am confident that God, God is, and he will do exactly what he said that he will do. That's the bottom line. And if I hold on to that, fighting that, in my mind, renewing my mind day by day with that, if I remember, bring to remembrance day by day that, just that, just that, then I can keep my body under. If I just remember those things, then I don't, again, don't have to fight the enemy because he's already defeated. All I'm doing is standing, standing in my faith. I stand in my faith and all of the opposition that come my way can just bounce off. If I just stand, that's all I got to do is stand. Stand firm and stand secure. Stand confident. If I stand confident in my faith, holding on to that, the opposition will bounce back. 
will have no choice. Why? Because I'm not, I'm not allowing it to enter in. Because I'm not allowing it to affect me. Because I'm not allowing it. Things can only happen if you allow it. The enemy can only win if you allow it. Your flesh can only win if you allow it. Worldly things getting in can only do so if you allow it. Worldly thoughts can only stay. Worldly thoughts can only fester if you allow it to. Stand. We got to stand. We said that the flesh is in opposition to what the gospel of the truth states. The gospel states that you are a new creature. So then that means you got to walk like it. <laughs> that means you got to talk like it. You, you can do that if you're fighting the good fight of faith. You're holding on. You're trusting in the faith. Trusting in the one who's delivered the gospel. Trusting in the one who is the gospel. Trusting in the one who is the truth. We say that the opposition is the worldly mentality. That worldly mentality is in opposition to what truth says. And then we say that the enemy, the adversary, is in opposition to the truth of the word of God. Which brings us down to where we are now in verse 15. So listen, the opposition of the enemy is manifested as we see it here in Verse 15. And what did I tell you about the opposition of the enemy? I told you two things about the opposition of the enemy. It makes things appear. He makes things appear to be all right. Deceiving and cunning men. Meaning he will make you think that what you're doing is okay. As long as you go to church. So Monday through Friday through Saturday. You can do whatever it is that you want to do. But as long as you confess with your mouth, and you can even say that you believe in your heart that Jesus raised from the dead. If you say those things and you go to church on Sunday, the enemy can convince you that you are okay. No matter what I do. If I've confessed, if I've confessed the Lord, if I've been baptized, if I come to church on a regular basis, if I usher, if I sing, if I teach, if I preach, if I pastor, the enemy will have you thinking that you're okay. Deceiving and cunning. And then I said the second thing, the way he presents himself as opposition, is that he sends children of darkness Posing as children of light to deceive. Verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. And listen, God, listen, God does not do anything. And we see here Jesus is speaking. Jesus, God, they do not do anything. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They do nothing. Nothing by happenstance. There is a reason why he said verse 15, starting with verse 15, after he said 13, 14. Then he comes down to 15. Why? Because we allow the enemy. He said, basically, I need you to enter in this straight way. And while you're doing, understand that there's opposition. And here in verse 15, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. So we, and we're going to tap. We're going to tap into. We're going to also tap into verses twenty-one and, and through twenty-three as we go through verses sixteen through twenty. But again, remember to tune in because you're going to hear more of that in in October. We won't be able to do it justice uh, for the rest of this time, but but tune in. Verse fifteen. So I told you that beware. That denotes that you must pay attention. 
You must pay attention to something and someone. You must attend to yourself. I told you, this is the time to be selfish. When you hear a word that comes forth, this is the time to be selfish. It's all about me right now. Because I need to hear. And what I'm hearing, I need to take note of. I need to be careful. I need to be cautious to hear properly. That's why I said you got to tune in everything else. I mean, tune out everything else. You got to forget about. You got to be in the moment. Why? Because I need to hear what is being said. You don't allow anybody to just feed your soul, feed your spirit. I don't care where you are. Your pastor has told you. We don't care where you are. Even in here. She said, even in here. And we know what kind of word we teach. But she said, even in here. She gave you permission. She said, up front, even me. Whenever anybody gets up uh, 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 in front of this a plexiglass. And minister a word to you, you need to be aware. You need to be cautious. You need to take heed. You need to listen. You need to tune in. And we're going to find out why, what you need to do, what you need to do. He says uh, uh, um, that they come. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Keep your ribbon in, in, in uh, Matthew 7 because we're definitely going to come back there. But 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And let's look at verse, starting with verse 13. And the scripture reads, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. He said, look, he didn't even say, <laughs> he didn't say men, he didn't say women, he didn't say uh, somebody off the street, he didn't say your co-worker, he didn't say your neighbor. He said, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore is it no great thing if his ministers also. He got ministers. It says it right here. That Satan has ministers. Satan has ministers. He didn't say Satan has neighbors, and he does. But he didn't say Satan has family, and he does. He didn't say Satan has co-workers, and he does. He says Satan has ministers. They transform it. They are transforming themselves as ministers of righteousness. They come, they come to you as ministers of as ministers of righteousness. Not the very thing. They come to you as ministers of righteousness. That's what the scripture says. So what does that mean? They come dressed like sheep. They come dressed like children of light. They clean up well. They can walk the walk. They can talk the talk. But they come in wolves, in sheep's clothes, but they are wolves. They are counterfeits. As they pose as children of light, they are counterfeits. Instead of healing souls with sound doctrine, sound doctrine that was taught by the apostles, they poison the minds and the souls of people. Instead of healing, they poison. They have an outward appearance of a believer, but they're, but they're uh, an outward appearance, but they're, and they have an outward appearance of living for God, as if they're living for God, but in their hearts. It's very different. Their heart, which you cannot see, reveals that they are only acting apart. It reveals that they are only acting apart. They're acting as a divinely inspired prophet. They're acting as a divinely inspired teacher, as a divinely inspired pastor who speaks false doctrine under the name, under, they speak false doctrine under the name of divine prophecies. 
They say that they have been anointed. They, you know, they, they say all of those, I've been ordained and I've been anointed and God is with me and just watch, watch me. God is with me. But they are ravenous, devouring. They are seeking whom they may destroy. They are seeking just as their father, as he roamed about with Job, seeking whom he may devour. And that's what they do. Wolves. I, last week I, I mentioned some fictional examples as in a Little Red Riding Hood. And there was a wolf who was coming to devour her. Who was coming to deceive her. Remember what he did? He put on the, he put on the, 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 the bonnet and he pretended like he was, he was Little Red Riding Hood's grandmother. Deceiving. I'm trying, trying to come as her grandmother. Dressed like the grandmother, but was not so. Then we talked about the, the, the three little pigs, how the wolves came. He said he was going to huff and puff. He tried to get, he tried to get, them, get them to let him in. <laughs> he tried to get, listen, listen what your spiritual is. He tried to get them to let him in. Trying to convince them to let him in. Well, those were just some fictional things that I just kind of threw out there, but, threw out there, but, but we're going to see what the scripture says about wolf. The same concept. The same concept. But we're going to see in the scripture what the, uh, what the scripture says about the wolves. So these ravenous wolves, they prey on sheep. They prey on the sheep. Sheep. They're very simple. Very simple. Sheep. They, they, sheep are able to be led. Because they're simple. They're simple. That's why. <laughs> and they, and they, they basically go, they basically go where they lead. That's why they have to be herded. They have to be herded. They have to be herded. And that's what the staff is for, for the herding. To help keep them where they're supposed to be. Because they're simple-minded. Very simple-minded creatures. So they, they're ravenous wolves who prey on the sheep with their words, their actions, and their deeds. These are the fruit of their doctrine. The fruit of their doctrine. We're talking about false prophets, false teachers. The fruit of their doctrine. Number one, it leads men to astray. And we're going we're gonna to chase these down. But number one, the fruit of their doctrine. Of false prophets, false teachers. Number one, they lead men astray. They teach things that appeal to the lust of the hearers and their own lust. They teach things that appeal to the lust of the hearers and they teach things that appeal to their own lust. And this is the main focus for this teaching, what God is, what Jesus is teaching here. Number two, they draw attention to themselves. We're talking about false teachers. We're talking about false prophets. And what the fruit of their doctrine is all about. They draw attention to themselves, meaning that the hearers leave more impressed after they hear what this false prophet, false teacher is saying. They leave the, that place, the hearers do, they leave that place more impressed with the speaking ability of that teacher, of that prophet, of that pastor, of that minister. They leave them more impressed with that than being impressed with the grace of God. See, and that's why, that's why I said it. And, and, and as we go through the, as we go through these, I'm admonishing you as we go, because again, we're about to embark upon a Pastor Appreciation Month. And as we, as we, as we uh, honor our pastor and, we, and we, uh, we show appreciation for our pastor, we cannot forget. And we always, because we, we, be, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't from the beginning. So then we have to show appreciation and show honor to our founding pastor. But what I can appreciate, again, the consistency and the continuity, the consistency and the continuity in what this church is all about. Where Jesus is Lord 
in this place. And, 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 and our pastor used to say it. Our current pastor, she says it. He should, look, I, don't look at me. I am only a vessel. I am merely a vessel. God has placed me here to simply lead. He has given me something to give to you. Understanding that these are God's people. I am only here. I'm only here to give you what God is giving me, what he is, what he is bringing forth through me to teach you, to direct you, to, to prepare you to meet him. And she points it out, and our founding pastor pointed it out. Do not look to me. You need to look to God. We're mere vessels. Mere vessels. And that's it. That's it. We walk like you walk. We talk like you talk. We have to go through the same oppositions that you go through. We face all of those same challenges that you face. Nobody walks water up in here. Nobody. Nobody has nails in their hands. Nobody has, nobody was thrown. Nobody has, has whelps up their back. Nobody. Up in here. It is God and it is God alone. Jesus is Lord in this place. And so when we have false teachers, when, we, when it's always all about them. Look at me. When they got a broadcast, everything that they have. When they got a broadcast, I mean, just all over. I'm all over the place. I go from country to country. I'm just, you know, I just, I mean, it's just broadcasting and there's nothing wrong with traveling. And, and But when you've got to broadcast everything that you do, when you've got to broadcast everything that you have, look, if you, listen, if you've got to announce, look how the Lord is blessing me, if you've got to announce that, come on. And then we get caught up. We get caught up. Why? Because they are teaching things about the lust of their flesh. And this is how they are getting the lust of their flesh, the lust of their eyes, the pride of life. They're, this is how they are getting And then they are trying to appeal to you the same way. Oh, listen, you can have what I have. All you got to do is bless the man of God. Bless the woman of God. You can have, listen, all of the blessings, all of the anointing that is upon me, I declare and decree that it shall be done unto you and it is upon you. Just send me an offering. <laughs> Just come and put it here. Come and put it here. Bless the man. Bless the man and the woman of God. And watch how the blessings will flow to you. And then we're caught up. They get people caught up in that. They get people caught. Why? Because everybody wants some stuff. (laughs) Why? Because everybody wants a little bit more money. Why? Because everybody wants their own uh, 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 business. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Everybody wants to do this. Everybody wants to do that. And 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 then we call it, so you sow into my life. So, so, so into my life. And then watch how the Lord will just open up doors for you. Watch how the Lord opens up doors of opportunities for you. Just so, so. Which leads me to the third one. Is that they are making merchandise of men. Number three, they make merchandise of men. They tell you that their ability to spread the word. They tell you that God's program is dependent Upon you supporting financially. They do mass mail outs. Now where they get your address from. I'm not quite sure. But they do mass mail outs. They get on television. And they say we cannot continue with this. We cannot spread the the word. This is God's program. Support what God is doing. And we need your financial support to do it. Jesus was on the Sermon of the Mount. Jesus was on, the, was on the Mount when he preached his sermon. There was no offering plate passed around. He didn't say, 
in order for me to go to the next mount, I need your financial support. He did not. As a matter of fact, as he traveled and he went, what did he even tell one of the disciples about paying tribute? Look, you pay, pay the tithe. I mean the taxes. You pay the taxes. See, so we get it twisted. So how is it that Jesus can minister without asking for anything? How is it that Paul can minister not asking for anything? How is it that they travel not asking for anything? I didn't say that they didn't receive anything. I didn't say that Paul didn't receive something. Because remember, he did receive something. The church of Macedonia, they blessed him, they blessed him well. But that was on their own accord because of the burning that was in their heart. Because of the joy of the Lord that they had received. But he didn't ask for one dime. He didn't ask. But people were led. They were led because of the doctrine that was presented to them that burned in their hearts. They tied themselves to the faith, to trusting in that. To holding on to that and because of the hope that they found in that, because of the joy they found in the Lord in that, they decided to give. They had a change of heart. And that's what they held on to. That's what they held on to. So they, they say that these uh, financial, I mean these, these teachers, these false prophets, they may say that your financial breakthrough or your healing or your blessing from God will come. The things that you've been praying for and believing for, they will come when you sow into the man or the woman of God. They will say those types of things. When the scripture tells us that healing is a children's bread. So why do I have to sow into the man of God when I'm already a child of God? And the scripture says that children is... I mean, that, that healing is a children's bread. When, Jesus, when God said, he said what? Ask, and you shall receive. He didn't say anything about sowing into the man of God. He said, ask. Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. And let's look at this in Romans 16. Let's look at this in verse 18. The scripture reads, For they that are such serve not the Lord. I cannot stop. Now I beseech you, brethren, verse 17. I beseech you, now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses, Contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, mark them. Beware. Mark them. And avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord, they serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own bellies. They serve their own belly. What satisfies them? Their belly. You know, we eat. And we, you know, our bellies get full. We're satisfied then. They are satisfying their own bellies. And, uh, and by good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple, the sheep. They're after the sheep, the simple. Simple-minded, they're after those. They're not serving God. They're serving their own lust. They're serving their own Bellies. They're only, they're only looking for, all that means is that they're only looking for their own self-satisfaction. That's all they're doing. They're trying to fill their bellies. And they're trying to fill their bellies with steak and shrimp and caviar and whatever else they can find that's expensive. At the expense of merchandising, of making a merchandise of God's people. That's what they're doing. 
God doesn't intend for the man or woman of God to suffer. God doesn't intend for the man or the woman of God to go without. God doesn't intend for the man or the woman of God to live below a certain means. God does not intend for a man or woman of God to have this when they can have that. They say all those kinds of things. They may not say, and sometimes it comes out in the teaching. It comes out in the teaching. Trying to fill their bellies. They prey on people. First John chapter 4. Run over to First John chapter 4. Verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are going out into the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of the Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now already is it in the world. For this reason, because they are only here to satisfy their bellies, for this reason... This scripture tells us that we should not believe every spirit. They will come dressed like children of light. But we should try the spirits whether they are of God. Listen. The scripture tells, the scripture tells, the Bible tells us. It states that in the mouths of two or three witnesses, let every, let Every word be established in the mouths of two or three witnesses. In the mouths of two or three scriptures, let every word be established. So don't allow, you cannot allow someone to come to you with a, a scripture. A scripture. And then they try to build, they try to build and establish a whole doctrine around one scripture. They try to build and they try to establish a whole church around one scripture. A whole belief system around one scripture. Teaching prosperity. Prosperity. They have one scripture that they have even taken out of context. Talking about Abraham. One scripture. They'll take one scripture and they try to make a whole doctrine out of it. No, you show me in two or three places. Support that what you're telling me. Show that to me in two or three places. Go back to verse, to to Matthew chapter 7. Let's look at this in... Verse 16, ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. That means you will have knowledge of them. You will know them. You will have knowledge of them. You will be able to understand them well by their words, their actions, and the course of their conversation. You shall know them by their fruits. Fruits with an S. Fruits with an S. You shall know them by their fruits. Observe how they live. If they claim to be ministers, prophets, evangelists, bishops, and they they are immoral, they live immorally, that disproves their intentions. That disproves their intentions. 
Some produce false commission. Some produce false commission, meaning they pretend to have, they pretend to have been commissioned by God with an immediate direction from God. A divinely inspired new revelation. (laughs) But their revelation is without sufficient proof. What they're saying is without sufficient proof. Turn over to Matthew chapter 24, just a few pages over. Matthew 24, verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Verse 24. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets. And shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. (laughs) The very elect. Who's the very elect? That's God's people. We have been predestined, preordained to be the elect. Those chosen by God. All chosen by God. God has elected to save us, all of us. And they come to deceive the very elect. That's you. That's me. That's anybody who believes in the name of the Lord. They come to deceive. They come to deceive. That's why we have to be aware. That's why we have to try the Spirit. That's why we have to look at our Bibles. That's why we have to read our Bibles. That's why we have to look for two or three. If they don't give you two or three scriptures to support whatever they're saying, you go look it up for yourself. You go find it. Well, I can't find two or three witnesses. Okay. Oh, well. They preach false doctrine pertaining to the things. This is... And this goes back, and Matthew chapter, go back to Matthew chapter 6. And this goes back to, to verses 13 and 14. Listen to this. The, they preach, false teachers, they preach false doctrine pertaining to things that are essential to true Christian living. They preach, they teach false doctrine pertaining to things that are essential to true Christian living. Teaching things that are contrary to the truth as it is in Jesus, the truth as it is in Jesus, and the truth which is in accordance with godliness. That's leading men astray. Leading men astray. The false prophets, they are always seeking to broaden the way (laughs) to God. You remember that straight now. The false prophets, they always seek to broaden the gate And the path to heaven. And they do so in preaching false doctrine that appeals to the lust and the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. They teach that because they're trying to broaden the way. Second Peter chapter two. Let me show you. If those other scriptures didn't help, hopefully this will, this one will. In the mouths of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 15. Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam. This is talking about False prophets. They have gone, they have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozer, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. They loved the ways of unrighteousness, the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. And, and, and uh, uh, but was rebuked for his iniquity, iniquity. The dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. Talking about a false prophet here. 
These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with the tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. They allure through the lust of the flesh. They allure through the lust of the flesh. Verse 18. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same as he brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter is worse with them than the beginning. The elect. The elect. Those who have come out. And then they are under these false prophets and false teachers. And now they're going back to those things which they left before. They say very fundamental things. Very fundamental things. And they change the meaning of words so that they can be used to fix their agenda for their purpose. For example. One definition by a very prominent uh, uh, TV pastor is born again. A, a very, one definition of this very prominent teacher of, of born again. He says it is to go from low self-esteem to high self-esteem. That's what being born again means. To go from low self-esteem to high self-esteem. So when he says you must be born again, he is saying something entirely contradictory to the truth. Being born again is dying to your old self and then becoming anew. Being reborn. Having a quickened spirit and a new way of life. Nothing better about you is not about a better you. It's about a new you. It's about being a new creature, not a better you. In Luke chapter 6, turn here. I love the way, this, uh, the way Luke states the, the, same, the same scripture in Luke chapter 6. Let's look at this in Luke 6. I love this. Verse 43, starting at verse 6 and start burning at verse 43. For a good tree bringeth forth... Uh, for a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. And guess what? Both Matthew chapter 6 verse 21 and, and uh, Luke chapter 12, it says the exact same thing. For where your treasure is, and we'll talk about the treasure in a minute. Where your treasure is, so keep that in mind, where your treasure is. That is where your heart will also be. Verse 44. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do, do not gather figs, nor of a... Uh, and I don't wrote over my word, I can't read it. A bush gather thy, uh, thy, um, thy grapes. A good man of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. Every tree is known by his own fruit. That's what it says. And then it says what in, 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 in verse 45. He says that of the evil treasure. He's talking about the treasures. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart. Now we know when the scripture tells us that there is none good. There is no not one. So, so how is it that it's a good man? How is that? Because there's none good outside of Christ. It is when we are in Christ. We talked about the heart earlier. It's when, when those changes are made in the heart. It's when those changes are made that we are in Christ. We can't be outside of him and be good. But in Christ, he is the good that is in you. He is the good 
that is in you. And that's how you are able to produce good. That's how you are able to produce good. Because you are in him. And in him is good. So with him in us, we are able, us being in him, we are able to produce good fruit. The treasure of your heart changes. See, the treasure of your heart, that is where your value, that's what you value the most. The treasure, that's what you value the most. That's what you set your affections upon. What you value the most, what you set your affections on. Your treasure can be worldly things, your treasure can be selfish things, or your treasure can be God. (laughs) You can't have it both ways. It will be one or the other. It can't be both. It cannot be both. The scripture tells us that. You got to be hot. You gotta be cold. You can't be lukewarm. He spews it out. Either you're good or you're bad. Either you have good treasures of the heart or you have bad treasures of the heart. Either you have good fruit or you have bad fruit. Either you're righteous or you're unrighteous. Either you're saved or you're unsaved. Either you're a believer or you're a sinner. There's there's no in between. No in between. Either you're a sinner or you're a saint. There's no in between. Fruit. There's fruit of the loins. There's different different types of fruit. I want you to get get an understanding of that. Different types of fruit. There's fruit of your loins, which is what you reproduce your children. Uh, fruit of the loins from your reproductive system there's the fruit that you bear that can be plucked and consumed by others okay so when we allow the spirit of the living God to help produce in us righteousness uh, produce in us joy peace, love those are fruits that people can benefit from others can pluck from you they can take, they can consume of you and then there is the fruit that is produced as a result of your work. There are other types of fruit too, but these are the, just the, the three that I'm, I'm just going to hone in on. And mainly the last one. The fruit is produced as a result of your work. Your words, your actions. Your words and your actions. It is the fruit of men's deeds, their, the result of their work, that expounds that interprets, that exemplifies their heart. It's the work that you produce by your works. I mean, the fruit that you're producing, those works that you're producing, that expounds on, it interprets, and it exemplifies the heart. Remember, we can't see the heart. Man cannot see. But we can see your works. We can see your deeds. We can see your actions. We can hear your words. In other words, it is the end result. The fruit is the end result of what's in your heart. That's why a good fruit, I mean a good tree, can only bear good fruit. A bad tree can only bear bad fruit. And it's through your actions and your deeds. This is the most dangerous part. This is the most dangerous. It is the fruit of your doctrine. And that's what we see here with the false prophets. It's the fruit of their doctrine. That is the problem. Because now they are tainting the lives, the hearts. They are playing with They are playing with the lives of people, of God's people. Playing with their very lives. Causing some to end up in hell because of the things that they've taught. The fruit of their doctrine. The fruit of the doctrine one teaches will determine the affections and the practices of those that hear and embrace what they're teaching. The fruit of the doctrine that one teaches will determine the affections and practices of those that hear and embrace that teaching. If the doctrine is of God, 
It will promote serious devotion to God. It will promote humility. The doctrine of God will promote humility. It will promote righteousness. It will promote holiness. It will promote love for God and love for his people. That's what the doctrine of God promotes. That's the narrow and that's the straight way. <laughs> the narrow and straight way is humility. Many, there are few that be that find. Because of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. There are few that find humility. There are few who find righteousness. There are few who find holiness. There are few who find true love for God and true love for his people. That's the straight and the narrow. If the doctrine is not of God, it will promote pride and arrogance and worldliness, loose conversation. And we have to get into that more next week. Loose conversation and actions. It causes the hearers and the embracers of that to be uncharitable, unjust, fictitious, disturbers of peace. It causes those that embrace that doctrine to be carnal. Carnally minded, thinking only about their flesh and how to satisfy it. God is a good God, and He is He is doing His best. And yes, I got it. I, I hear what you're saying. I, I've been in this church for a long time. I'm not in, caught up in all of that. I'm not caught up in all of that. But guess what? We have new fo- folks who have joined the ministry. We have folks who are listening. Don't take these things lightly. And you need to beware. Why are you talking all that? You need to beware. Because that's what happens. That's, you know what? That, that is the work of it. That's opposition right there against truth. Why? Because the enemy will get you thinking. What did I just say? That the doctrine, it, it promotes humility. It promotes righteousness, it promotes love, it pr- promotes peace, it promotes, it promotes all of those things. But the enemy can be cunning and crafty. A wolf can come in and get you if you are not aware. And we have to always be keenly aware. Because, you know, especially those, when you say, when you say, that, you know, I've, I've, I've been in this church a long time and I know, you know, I know the word and I know and I... You know, I was, I've been, I've been here. Those very same people. That's why you can have some that were here years ago. That are not here now. Because they have allowed the enemy, cunning and crafting, to get them off focus. To get them offended. To pull away from where they once said, God sent them. If God sends you somewhere, why do you leave? Except you have allowed the enemy to bring an opposition against you that's against the truth of the Word of God. Because what does the truth tell us? The truth tells us that we need to. Endure chastening. It tells us that. In order to produce more fruit, you have to be pruned. You have to be purged so that you can produce more fruit. And then your pastor starts teaching or does something to help in that pruning process. God uses them, uses her used him to help prune so that you can produce more fruit and you rejected it. That's allowing the opposition to come against you when all you had to do was what? Stand and fight the good fight of faith. If, if, and I trust and I believe, God sent me here. I said that out of my mouth. And if I said that, then I know what his word says is that he gives us pastors according to his own heart. 
And if, if he sent me a pastor or put me under a pastor after his own heart, then God has a heart for me. Then that means whatever God sends through that pastor, it's for me. Because God gives pastors according to his, his own heart. You see that? But now the opposition has come. And it has come against the truth of what God's word says about the pastor. And what the pastor's role and responsibility is. And then we allow that opposition to pull us away. Because we didn't fight the good fight of faith. I trust God. That's all you have to do. I trust God. No matter what they tell me. No matter what the pastor said or what God said through the pastor, through the Holy Spirit. I trust God. That's the good fight of faith. And if I just did that, I could have still been standing. Right where God, or right where I said God placed me. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.